Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your Carly Night fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. And I'm Dan McLennan. On today's episode we look ahead to Keith Millen's first game in charge of the Blues as they travel down to promotion chasing Northampton Town, bringing more reaction on Millen's appointment as a Blues boss and we might even fit in a couple of minutes on the Oldham game this weekend. And it literally will be a couple of minutes on the Oldham game because there's not much to talk about. That, I is think it? a couple of minutes may be a stretch. To be quite <laughs> it, it could well be done. It could this, well be. This little chat here could be longer. <laughs> it could well, it could well. Um, let's say, how are you doing? We already spoke to you a couple of days ago, didn't I? So <laughs> yeah. There's not much difference, is there? Let's get straight into it, man. Let's get into the news because you're going to contribute a fair bit to this today. Um, yeah. Only a couple of bits, really. Um, well, first up, the, the in fact, first up, we'll start with the uh, FA Cup first round. Fixture details have been confirmed. So we were waiting, weren't we, Dan, to see whether uh, United's game might be one of the games shown on Sunday on the special final score episode they do then, you know, with the extended highlights plus a live stream. But as it is the case, it's not going to be for United uh, this year. The game is going to kick off at 3pm on Saturday, the 6th of November. There will be live updates from the game on final score on Saturday, won't they, I think, by the looks of things, from what they've said. Just the one camera at the game, though, so uh, nothing special in that sense. Um, ticket details have also been confirmed. Prices are just £14 for both seating and terracing. And if you're a season ticket holder and you get your ticket before the day of the game, you can get it for half price, so £7. Can't argue with that, can you? No, not at all. I went down and got mine on Tuesday. Uh, there was already one or two folk going down. Uh, I, I saw Horsham tweeting that they're, uh, they've had their allocation to their selling and they've got coaches booked. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see how many they bring up. Yeah, I mean, t- I tell you what, any more than 300 is a hell of an effort for a, a club that size oh, yeah. coming this yeah, far yeah, as well. So yeah. good luck yeah. to them. And yeah. we've, we've, we've got a... We've already got a couple, well, definitely one and possibly two folk lined up for next week's episode for Horsham, where we will yes. hopefully learn a bit about the Lard Army. Let, uh, let's hopefully uh, learn a bit more we'll, about them, yeah. We'll save that for next week. Indeed we will. Let's move on to the uh, the other bit of news, Dan, and that's the, uh, the youth team. Um, United Youth side have had some great runs in the FA Youth Cup down the years, but... It's not going to be the same this season, is it? They went out of the competition at the first hurdle in midweek, losing a, a thrilling game 5-3 on penalties against Oldham Athletic after it finished 4-4 following extra time. Uh, to say this game had it all would probably be underselling it a bit, Dan, wouldn't it? You were at the game, weren't you? It yeah, a, I, I had a wander down and it, uh, it, was a, it was a decent crowd, over 300 there. It was only three quid to get in. Mm-hmm. It's always good to see these lads on the big pitch, you know, yeah. under the floodlights and... Uh, Got off to a great start. Uh, Sam Fishburne literally scored within two minutes. I think was it, it was. It was a right, uh, car, right car corner from the left, uh, right, wasn't it? I think he flicked it yeah. into the post. Yeah, and he had a chance to make it two 0 but it, he, he, we got a penalty, and it was quite a poor team effort. I thought from uh, Sam. I- is he the regular penalty take? I wonder because there was someone else. I, go, I watched the game on YouTube, and I, I was dipping in and out of it. I wasn't watching it for the whole time, but I've watched a bit of it and it looked like someone else wanted to take panic. I think Andy Hall mentioned this on the commentary, didn't he, I think? Uh, yeah. But no, uh, Oldham levelled up uh, just before half-time, one all. Uh, 
and uh, you know it was, it was the sort of feeling at half time was if we'd uh, got the penalty and made it two nil, they could have went on and won handsomely. But yeah. the second half, wow! Uh, Carlisle we took the lead about the hour mark. Ryan Carr slammed a free kick in. Uh, it's worth looking. Goal, it? It's worth what finding the highlights on the Carlisle YouTube page because it's a brilliant free kick. It must be nearly thirty yards, mustn't it, when he hit it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, Oldham equalised two or three minutes later. Uh, Jack Ellis Ellis put a header in to put us three two up with uh, I think it was about ten minutes, eighty eighty yeah, second minute or something like, like that. that. Yeah. And uh, it got to 90 minutes, and they put the board up for uh, five minutes, and it got to about 90 plus three. And uh, I, I, I I did one because I wanted to get home. I had a couple <laughs> of things to do in the house. Uh, I, I stopped at Asda on the way home, and I saw that Oldham's goalkeeper scored with a header in the 98th minute. Incredible, isn't it? So it made it free all. Uh, took it to extra time. Luckily, I was able to watch extra time on YouTube at home. Yeah. Uh, Sam Fishburne got his second of the game. Sorry, mm-hmm. Oldham took the lead, then Sam Fishburne got his second to make yeah. it 4 4. And uh, it was uh, straight to penalties. Yeah. And uh, Sam Fishburne missed again. And you, the, the, the worst thing about it is the penalties were pretty much identical, really. Yeah, you look yeah. at them, he's put it, he struck, struck it the same way into exactly the same corner. It's almost like he's tried to second guess the keeping. Well, the keeper's not going to go the same way. Yeah, yeah. Last time, and he did, and he saved it comfortably. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, all the all them scored all theirs, and uh, they went through five three. But uh, yeah. I think a cra- cracking game. Mm. I think I mean Gabri's only got really close to one of the penalties. I think they were really well struck penalties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of our penalties were good except Sam's, bless him. But. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a shame for the lads and a bit of a shame for Sam. But I mean, he scored two goals as well. That's the important yeah, thing you've got to look yeah. at. He's still scoring goals. The manager was there to watch him as well. So hopefully he'll be impressed. And you've got to remember, he hasn't played for the youth team very much this season with being no. alone at Lancaster. No, I think and... he played a couple of games recently, but he hasn't played that yeah, much. Yeah, he's been obviously in and around first team. Yeah. So. And I've got to say, actually, the, the Oldham goalkeeper's gone. If you haven't seen it, go and watch it. It's a, it's a great header. He gets right above everyone, but <laughs> no one's picking him up <laughs> because yeah. he's the keeper. No one thinks, do they? Yeah. Um, yeah. Any players stand out to you, Dan, in this game? Any of the other young lads? I think Nick, uh, Nick Ballardo looked decent up front Nick, with Fishburne. Nick Ballardo looked quite good. as Obviously, yeah. Fishburne got two goals. And uh, number five, I forget his name now. Is it Killsby? Possibly. possibly Jack yeah, Ellis, maybe. Yeah. One of the two. I think, I think it was possibly Killsby. I thought thought he had something about him. He just he, mm. he looked quite, quite a bit of an organiser for the young lad. And mm. he just seemed to be in the right place a few times. But... Uh, a big year for some of these lads, and uh, yeah. I think there's some good players there. They look good technical footballers, some of them. But it, it, I think it's like Mark Birch said after the game, the, the youth team manager. He basically said that the problem was we never controlled the game, even though you know we were on top yeah, for yeah. long periods. We'd never controlled. That, that's it. I think if Fishburne's first penalty had went in, yeah, we get control I f- of the game. I, f- I think I think we would have you know put mm. our foot on it, and but yeah. never mind. Uh, and you- a decent evening's. Uh, yeah. Entertainment. And before we move on, I should we should know actually Oldham had a couple of players in their team who've played first team football. In fact, one of them played on Saturday against us. The lad uh, Vaughan, didn't he? He, he started the yeah, game against yeah. us the weekend. So it, it, it's not like you know that they're untested youngsters. There, they've probably got players who are probably more used to first team football than we are. Yeah, I mean, Fishburne's what played five minutes or something like that of a game, and that's it. So uh, right, well let's move on then, Dan. A bit more manager. Appointment reactions, obviously, we did our special episode earlier this week, didn't we? Um, 
covered the appointment of Keith Millen uh, in a little bit of detail then. Um, have, a, have a listen if you've missed it. Indeed, it's uh, worth a listen. You know, I've, I, We've had a few comments back and people seem quite happy. I think, I think we were quite even-handed, weren't we, in the way we treated him in that episode? Yeah, yeah. And I think sort of now the dust settled, you know, it, look, he's our manager now. Mm-hmm. I think there's sort of a... I don't know if realisation's the right word, but people are like, well, let's give the guy a chance. Yeah, exactly. I think I put a comment on uh, the Be Just Facebook group saying, look, forget everything else that's happening. This bloke is now our manager. Clean slate, give him a chance. Yeah. If come January he's doing shite, go in on him, not a problem. Mm. But, you know, give give him a chance. You know, yes, exactly. He's our he's our manager, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Let's get behind him and see what he can do. When his uh, his his first interviews and press conference certainly, I think have maybe changed one or two folks. I, th- I think I think a few people who seem to be against the appointment would just say, "Oh, I've never heard of the music." Mm. I mean, but, I, he's, uh, he's quite well known as a coach. I don't think he's well, that, I'd, I'd, he's I'd not, heard of him. Yeah, he's not a total unknown. He's managed to. You know, one yeah. level higher than this before, at League One level. So, you know, I think it's a little, little bit of a reaction of people saying, I've never heard of him. Well, you know what? 90% of the people who go for the job, you will not have heard of. Yeah, yeah. And they're the ones who are most likely to get it. So, yeah, yeah. And then one one thing I noticed as well, it, he's not daft. He's, he's been scouting for Leighton Orient this season. Yes. So he, prob- he probably watched us a couple of times before we played them. Yeah. And obviously, he'll have watched the games while he was in the process. And, you know, he's not daft. He said, tighten up defensively and try mm. and nick a game here and there, which is perfect for yeah. Saturday, you yeah. know. Yeah. No, I think, like, I think initial thoughts for both of us, I think we're, we're not saying we're any happier, but we're, we're, we're content with it. I think it's probably fair to say. We'll just say, well, just get on with it now. I mean, what I would say is people are getting very excited about, oh, you know, you're saying all the right things at press conference. Have you ever heard of a manager who doesn't well, do yeah. the right things in the first press conference? They always sound... Better. I mean, everyone raves about, oh, Beach is a breath of fresh air when he did his first press conferences. Well, I mean, I'd, I'd actually disagree with that. I think he, I, I was never a fan of his press conferences personally. Stephen Presley said all the right things when he got the job. I mean, John Sheridan just a miserable get. What do you expect? You know, nothing, <laughs> nothing to take from that. Yeah. Like even Keith Kerr, when he came in, everyone said, oh, he's got all the right ideas, he's got all the right things. Any manager can say it, it's how they deliver it. Yeah. That's the key thing. It's great to say all these things in the first thing, but if you don't deliver on it, it means nothing, does it? I think we've already said it this last week on the earlier, sorry, earlier this week episode, Dan. Uh, biggest keys, he needs to get off to a good start because we've got a tough run of games coming up. And that this next month, basically up to the end of November, that can set the tone for the rest of the season, basically, can't it? I think I think the Barrow game's going to be the one that does because yeah. Northampton this weekend, you know, it's his first game. He's just come in, you know, give him a chance. Horsham in the cup is... Yeah, it's a banana skin, but the professionalism should see us comfortable, we should say, especially at home. But the Barrow one's going to be the first true test, I think, for him. Yeah, that's the one where you look at and you think, you know, bit of a probably volatile crowd, you'd think, because I mean, they've sold over a thousand now. Big whoop whoop to them. Um, yeah, and that's a, as much as we don't want to say to Derby, if we lose that game, fans aren't going to be happy, are they? They're going to look and say, you know, we've lost a game to Barrow and... Yeah, we should be beating them, blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff. So so there you go. I mean, I'm just going to read a few comments here, Dan. We we asked on our Facebook page for people to get their initial thoughts, having the dust having settled on yeah. the appointments. Um, and I'm just going to read for a few here. Um, David Harrison sort of says, not over the moon, but I am 
not against the appointment, and I hope keeps the success. In his interview, I liked when he said attractive football, which I'm a big fan of personally. I mean, every manager says they play attractive football. That's the one issue there, isn't it? You know, every manager comes in, well, I'm going to, you know, we're just going <laughs> to kick it long and we're just going <laughs> to, yeah. yeah. Um, they per say, personally, I would have liked Simo, but it was never going to happen. My realistic choice was Keith Hill. Uh, don't have any expectations, but hopefully he has his heading upwards playing the right way instead of breaking our necks every week, to be honest. I'm not as fussed about playing the right way so much at the moment. If he gets his way from trouble, playing it a bit long, if it works, I don't think it would work with this squad, but if he could get someone in, it worked. I'd not be against that to be honest, just to get us away from the bottom. Um, Tim Armstrong, I think plenty of you know who Tim is from these uh, posts on the uh, official Facebook page. Um, seems a lot more qualified for the job than Beach was. And if he follows up by playing to the strengths of our players rather than stubbornly playing the same formation tactics every week, like he said today, uh, he'll probably be successful in the short term. We'll be interesting to see if Beach slash Gelton's favourite badly out of form players keep the shirt. Um, interesting one, that one, isn't it? Actually, we'll touch on that when we do the preview section, but suggesting is there's not going to be major changes straight away anyway, based on what we've heard. Ken Hullock, again, someone we both know. Uh, I'm neither disappointed or ecstatic with the appointments. <laughs> Very firmly on the fence there, Ken. Uh, it could be considered a bit of a gamble given his lack of success in his brief spells as manager. On the other hand, he's highly regarded as a coach and has been said he's a good man and manager and motivator. That's what we need to get us out of the predicament we are in. And I think I agree 100% with Ken on that one, actually. A good man manager is as important as anything for this squad. Because like I said, we haven't really got players in there that all police the squad itself as we have in the past, have we done, I think? Yeah, it's uh, as we've touched on a couple of times recently. You know, there's there's not really much seniority in our squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously the signing of Mark Howard in goals sort of addressed that a bit. At the back end of the pitch, and you know, Lewis Alexandra, yeah, he's experienced, but he's not really known for his talking. No. Um, so you know, if we've got a manager who's prepared to say how it is, sort of thing, you know, I mean. Let's cut to the chase. Sometimes these players will need to be told a couple of home truths, you know. Yeah. You know, and you can't mollycoddle them 24 7. No. If, if they deserve no. a bollocking, they deserve a bollocking, you know. It's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, he also mentioned, Ken, about the fact that um, he was impressed with the thing he said in his interview when, you know, when things aren't going well, then you need to work on the defensive side of the team first, which is spot on. And that's why we do need, we need a bit of structure to our game at the moment don't we although Ken does think he's not on appointment for the long term and I think he might be on some of that we never know I mean most managers aren't long term though are they really no, no. um we, we were quite lucky in the fact we had up until what 2018 we only had three managers over the um decade mm. of the 2010s so and one of them was only for what a season roundabout uh here we go so Neil Anderson excellent experience good contacts in the game First thing you should do is get as a centre forward and Dave McNaughton replied to that saying centre half should be the first priority. Dave McNaughton's only own post actually should say finding it far finding it hard to form an opinion, but his win percentage doesn't look good, around the thirty two percent area. I think after um, admittedly misguidedly excitement of a Simu leaving Bristol City, anyone else was gonna feel like a bit of a letdown. Gotta give Millen a chance though and see if he opts to a style of play that actually suits what we've got in our squad, which is Basically, the point that everyone's essentially making here, I mean, Paul Mallison said he's mildly happy with the appointment. He has much more experience in football, working alongside higher-caliber managers than Miller never did. Um, 
uh, beach sorry ever did um <laughs> getting confused with the two already um yeah so g- generally i think people are sort of you know not overly excited but i think this, the, they're impressed with some of the initial things he said and the key thing is, hopefully, you'll actually build a team that suits the squad we've got. Yeah. That's the thing I've, I've, I've noticed one or two people also sort of agreeing with his comments about, you know, making tightening us up at the back straight away. You know, making yeah. it hard to score against us, and you know that's yeah. that's that's the first half of the battle, isn't it? Yeah, you can keep the clean sheet. Yeah. Well, well, we've got an opposition podcast for you to share with you guys in a minute. We'll do that uh, shortly, but first we'll. Um, Basically, we'll do some press conference quotes from Millen's first com- uh, press conference. Uh, not word for word quote here, but um, his comments about the word relegation. He doesn't seem to want that to be mentioned around the club, does he, at the moment? Now, I can understand his point of view, and he wants them to try and be positive in their outlook and their focus. But a few poor results in these first few games, and you find yourselves adrift, you've then got to be realistic and start talking about it and start talking about the fact you're battling against that. I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I, I think he's just trying to uh, sort of, you know, clear the decks, you know, yeah. spring clean, spring clean, whatever they've, they've been spoken with, with Beach, etc. You know, he's going to come in and say, right, I think you're good enough for this league, etc. and build them yeah. up a bit. So I could, I could get exactly what he means by not mentioning that at the moment. Yeah, that's true, it's true. Um, obviously, we've mentioned all the stuff about the fact that he, he wants to focus on tightening up the defence and getting a good structure to the team first, which is good to hear. Uh, he talked a little bit about uh, having to use the current coaching staff, obviously, and Gavin Skelton. Um, some interesting comments there. I thought he, he, he talked about the fact that, obviously, he'd watched our games that Gavin had taken charge of, and I think he was quite impressed with what he'd done in those short few games in terms of making little tweaks to, to make us a yeah, little bit more yeah. solid and stuff. And Obviously, Millen, actually, is looking at he's been in Skelton's shoes, hasn't he? In that he's been caretaker three times, knowing he's probably not going to get the job and yeah, basically yeah. just got to tighten things up a little bit. So he, he gets it totally. So I think he, he seems quite happy to be working with Gavin. And I mean, I don't see a big issue in this. I know people have got massive problems with it, but if, if you know, if Millen's happy with then we, we move on. You know, if, if he isn't, then I'm sure changes will be made at some point in the future. Um, yeah, so... It sounds like he doesn't want to make major changes, doesn't it? Then the reasoning seems to be he doesn't want to be putting too much into the players' heads. He wants them just to go out and play the natural game, and he'll make tweaks here and there by the sounds of things, doesn't it, Dan? Yeah, uh, it's, it's always, you know, this time of year as well. You can't make wholesale changes because you can't just go out and sign six players like you used to be able to. So it's, uh, yeah, it's. I think I think anyone who watched the last two games, I know when we get on to the Oldham game, it was drab, but we certainly looked a bit tighter at the back, and uh, it's almost as though Gav had picked up on stuff that had happened at Newport and you know adjusted again. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that we'll, we'll, we'll obviously very briefly touch on the Oldham game in a minute, but uh, before we do that, um, let's uh, play you a little clip now. We talked to um, Jim Daly from the FYP podcast. Now, FYP podcast is a Crystal Palace podcast. And obviously, Keith Millen's got quite close associations with Crystal Palace, hasn't he, Danny? He was a, he's a Croydon lad, so it's his local club. He started out there as a youth team player, but never played a first-team game. But he spent a good four or five years in coaching roles at the club in the sort of uh, mid, early to mid-noughties, I think it was, wasn't it, Dan? I think after, after he'd basically been manager at Bristol City, he had a spell at Blackpool briefing, then went to Palace. Um, 
Um, the guys from the FYP podcast have actually spoken to Millen quite a few times and they've, they've got a, a good relationship with him. So we spoke to Jim just to get some of his thoughts on Keith, not so much maybe on his coaching side, but what he's like as a person. So uh, here's the chat we had with uh, Jim and give that a listen now. Jim, I think when Keith Millen was announced as uh, United's new boss uh, yesterday, the fan reaction from Carlisle fans on Twitter was indifferent to say the least, but... One thing that really stood out to me was there was a lot of Palace fans replying to Kyle United's official tweet about the appointment, saying how pleased they were for Keith and you know wishing him all the best and saying oh yeah, I think it's a terrific appointment stuff like that. Why is he such a popular guy at Selhurst Park? Because he obviously I think he started started his career um, with you guys as a youth player, didn't he? he? Never played a first team game, but yeah. he came back as a coach and he just seems to have been someone who the fans have really taken to as a person as much as anything. Yeah, so as a bit of sort of background, Keith has been through quite a lot at Palace. So yeah, I think mm. it was there as a youth team player, didn't make it, came back as a coach or as assistant with Ian Holloway, I believe, in 2012, mm-hmm. um, got promoted, was with Holloway. Then Holloway got sacked, Warnock came in, Keith stayed. Uh, Keith was um, caretaker in between that for a game or two. Warnock goes, he's caretaker again. Pardew comes in, stays. Pardew goes... <laughs> I think, and I think possibly he went then because I think Allardyce was next and brought in Sammy Lee. But but he was there for quite a quite a bit of quite a bit of time through a few different sort of you know rebirths of, of Palace as it were, um, and is a local boy crucially. Croydon lad played for the team as a kid, so loves Palace. Um, so I think when it's probably the same with most clubs when you got someone that's sort of been through it a few times, and that was a weird time to be yeah. a Palace fan because we shouldn't have got promoted really. We should have gone down. We were a complete mess. We stayed up. We had some bizarre times. A run to the FA Cup final. It was all a bit weird, really. So, I think they become almost as much as part of the furniture as you do when they when they've been there so long. So, I think that's one of the reasons I think fans are attaching. Plus, local local boy, and just a really nice guy. I always had time for the fans. He's been on our podcast a few times, and was absolutely brilliant. Oh, I forgot about Pulis. He, he was a yes, he Pulis was, in there yeah. as well. There you go. And in fact, because he told us some <laughs> very funny stories on the podcast about. Palace once having over 25% possession in the game and Keith going, but Gaffer, this is great. And Pulis going, do not show the players that stat, uh, which I think <laughs> sums up Pulis's spell as Palace manager. Yeah. But, um, so just a very nice guy. Um, but yeah, in terms of sort of, you know, his coaching ability, we, we didn't see much of it, really. He, he was always sort of number two, apart from a couple of those um, those caretaker games, yeah. um, which I'm sure you'll ask me about in a minute. But um, yeah, but a nice guy. And, and I think fans just latch on to people that are... That are just local, got a bit of character about them. And when they've been through, you know, as much as you have. So, yeah, you, you talk about the fact that it's difficult to, to tell how good he is as a coach and stuff like that because he only had his caretaker spells in charge. But, I mean, he, he didn't do too badly in those categories. It's always difficult when a manager goes, isn't it, for a, for a coach to come in and just fill in for those few games, especially if they're not likely to get the job full time. Uh, how, how do you think he actually did in those games? Like you said, it's difficult to judge, but what, what's your thoughts? So my memories are, I would, uh, you'd have thought before coming on here, I'd have done research to find out what games they were, and I can't remember. But there was definitely a nil-nil against Everton uh, after Holloway went, which was actually quite a, quite a big point for us at the time. There was a win away at Hull when Barry Bannon scored in the last minute, which was a big win. Possibly our first, no, second win of the season, I think. At that point, this is our first year in the yeah. Prem. 
And I mean, he was running down the touchline like a player, Keith, you know, just showed his sort of passion. And then I think uh, in, in, in another spell as assistant, I think there was a nil-nil draw at home to QPR, possibly a couple of spells over Christmas, I think. Uh, I think that was after Warnock went. So it was always tightening the ship, you know, and firefighting. And because when assistants come in, they're never coming in after a fantastic run of games. They're always coming in after an absolute disaster. So they're always trying to just steady things a little bit and keep it going. And, you know, from memory, Keith played very defensive football. But to be honest, that was needed at the time because we, yeah. you know, we were leaking goals. Yeah. We just needed to keep things tight. So he always sort of did a job, but he never got the chance to really sort of flourish or show his abilities as first team coach. But to be honest, I'm not even really sure he wanted to at Palace. I think he was sort of quite happy being number two um, yeah. and wasn't really ever given the chance to do that. I know he then, when he left us, I know at some point he went to Sweden, I think, or somewhere in Scandinavia. Yeah, it's just, I think he's just been a couple of years in Sweden. I think he's just done now, yeah. Yeah, and I want to, I want to say there was a Roy Hodgson connection there. I want to say it was possibly a team that Roy Hodgson coached. And I might I'll, I think he yeah. went to be assistant manager at uh, Halstads, I think it was something right. like that. I think it was. I think that yeah. definitely a Roy Hodgson connection. And there, I, I think. think possibly because I bumped into him away at Spurs a couple of years ago. Keith mm-hmm. said, "Oh, how are you doing?" I think he just come back from Sweden. Saying, I think either he told me or someone told me that I think Roy actually possibly even said had a word mm-hmm. to possibly maybe get him in there, which I think also shows you the character of Roy Hodgson as well. Very yeah. very helpful and respected guy. Um, so, you know, I don't, uh, aside from speaking to Hamstad fans, I couldn't tell you what his style <laughs> of football is like. Um, but it's interesting. It's very interesting you say that fans are underwhelmed by him. And I can yeah. totally understand that because he hasn't got the biggest track record in the world. It's not a sexy name at all. No. Um, but I think if you speak to people in the game, I'll tell you where else he was. He was assistant or first team coach at MK Dons. Yes. So I went yeah. there to do a feature on them. And, and I was like, oh, Keith says I bumped into him after the game and had a chat with him. And, and again, a warm personality and an easy guy to catch up with but I think that's kind of vibe you get from everyone in football that he's sort of easy to work with a nice guy yeah. um, and, and likeable how that translates to being a first team co- uh, manager and coaching and disciplining players and stuff I don't know but you know I, th- I think he'll I think he's going to be someone that fans will assuming results go the right way the fans will warm to yeah. um, but that obviously that, a lot of that does depend on you know how games go and how results yeah. end up I mean, he still seems quite well liked at Bristol City as well, even though you know his managerial spell there didn't end very yeah. well. But obviously, he played there for years as well, and and that kind of thing. So maybe that that's part of it. I don't know, but um, but yeah, uh, there seems to be sort of some talk we've read that he, he's quite good at working, particularly with young players. And there seemed to be there was a few young players who came through around about that time at Palace, possibly that he he worked with, from what we can gather. Yeah, we, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of young players that came through. That, that was actually a sort of spell where Palace were desperate for young players to come through, mm. or the fans were. We had a player called Sully Kaikai who played for us yes, for a long them, yeah. time. And, and I think now is at Blackpool, or, mm-hmm. or I've been around, I think, NK Dons and other places. Like, very nice lad, and he was a, a, an academy player and had constant sort of um, hand cameos here and there in the first team, but unfortunately never never quite made it weirdly now now we're going through our best spell for youngsters with you know with Aaron a couple of years ago and Tyreek Mitchell and Jezrak Saki on the bench you know now is a really good time for Palace but yeah we 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 went through a spell where there was a lot of promising players Luke Dreher was another one who I think has only Mm -hmm. just left actually um but they never quite it was it's a funny one with youth team players unless the, the conditions are absolutely perfect and really as assistant manager or first team coach you don't have the final say. It's the manager, no, really. True, you know. isn't it? Allardyce was Allardyce was never going to play those players. <laughs> Pardew wasn't a fan. Pulis was never going to play those players. So yeah. really, they weren't. The environments weren't really there for those youth team players to sort of break into. Now we've got Patrick Vieira, you know, someone who is really up for playing youth team. Play. You know, Roy didn't really. Roy was sort of forced to play Aaron Bissaka really because of injury. 
Um, so it wasn't, yeah, the environment has me right up until now. But I think I get the impression with Keith that he's someone that I think is very respected by youth team and experienced players as well. So I can certainly imagine that he was good to work with with the, with the youngsters. Um, and I'd imagine he'll be keen to do that probably with you guys. Yeah, we will have to, to be honest, because that's not the way we play. We 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 get them in the first team, train them up, and then flog them for money. Basically, that's how yeah. we survive. Um, briefly before we finish, Jim, just um, you obviously mentioned the fact you've had him on the pod a few times. Is there any interesting stories about him, or is there any sort of insight you can give into his sort of personality? I suppose. Well, he's very nice. I mean, the mm-hmm. Pula story is my, is my favourite one that I've yeah. told many times, which is fantastic, and. Uh, He's just a very nice guy, Keith. Uh, very fun to be around. He he was he was obviously employed by the club when he came on, so he was very careful to tell stories. You know, the Pulis story wouldn't have been told if he was still working for yeah. Pulis. And people like that are always, you know, club staff are always kind of cautious about that. But he was he was he was the sort of guy that would remember your name, you know, yeah. and would and would look you in the eye when he spoke to you. And clearly, just comes from a sort of happy family and South London lad, and was just uh, you know very very fun to be around really again how that translates into being a manager i don't know but i just suspect he's been you know i think going to scandinavia is an interesting sort of um indication mm-hmm. of someone that's serious about maybe sort of working their way up and doing their obviously doing their badges and stuff and and, and learning the trade so it'd be interesting to see how he sort of puts that personality into because it's hard being a being a nice guy in yeah. football because you don't want to be half the, or you can't be half the time you can't be the players mates you've got to discipline them when they need it and stuff so yeah. it's a very tricky balance to have but you know I, I do wish him I wish him all the best he's um you know I've met a lot of people in football and and, and he's one of my favorites so I really really do wish him all the best and I hope for him and you guys it all goes well and I have to say I can't talk to you guys without mentioning my favorite ever Crystal Palace player who we signed from Carlisle in would be Mr Janssen, would it Mr. Matthew Brooks, <laughs> what just, I mean, didn't stay with us long enough, really. I went to Blackburn and had that horrible accident and, and, and a wasted talent, really. I think he'd have been an England player for a long time if he hadn't had that accident, unfortunately. But just, I've got to know Matt as well uh, through FYP and Palace. A lovely, lovely guy. Yeah, and really just nice guy. Really nice guy. I think he's back in management now, isn't he? Because he was at Chorley for a bit. He's at Stockport Town. So the, so the yeah. other team in Stockport, the very lowest level. Right. Yeah. But he <laughs> no, seems to be enjoying it. Yeah, and he's a good guy. But yeah, whenever I think of Carlisle, I always think of Magic Matt Janssen. And uh, yeah, he was great. But I wish Keith and you guys all the best. A big thank you to Jim for giving up his time to speak to us about uh, Keith Millen. Uh, some really positive stuff to take from that, Danny. Sounds like he's, a, I mean, most of all, he sounds like he's a really good bloke. And, you know, that sometimes is overlooked in football, actually being a decent person can actually get you quite far. You know, you, you become popular and you, you build up contacts and people are more likely to do you favours and stuff like that, aren't they? Yeah, uh, he's, he's, he's a bit of a, a Crystal Palace legend, isn't he? Mm. You know, without having actually played or officially <laughs> managed the club, you know, yeah. which is which sort of tells you something about about the man, mm. you know. But uh, one, one thing I will say is his caretaker spells in sort of like... 2013-14 if anyone's not watched it there's a Crystal Palace documentary on I think it's mm. Amazon yeah and I'm sure it's around this kind of time I've watched it and I'm, he, he must appear on it I'll have to watch it again to see if he does appear on it but yeah. you know you can sort of get a feeling of what Crystal Palace was about at that time so yeah yeah there you go all right, well, let's do the uh, match review section, Dan. Carl United nil, Oldham Athletic nil, crap game. Let's leave it at that, shall we? Now, I'm just kidding. I mean, we will very briefly talk about the game, to be honest. Um, Dower nil-nil draw between two struggling teams. 
It's actually the result of the Saunders move out of the relegation zone, bizarrely, because yeah. Mansfield lost. So both us and Oldham are on the same number of points, moved ahead of Mansfield, but didn't really do much help in terms of pulling us away from the struggle at the bottom. Because I think Scunford win, actually, the weekend. I can't even remember now. They, they got yeah, the results. So, did, yeah. so it's, it's, it's got, actually got tighter down the bottom. Yeah. Um, yeah, not a good game of football, this, was it, Dan? No, it wasn't one for the purist. Uh, there was very little action lack of goal scoring threats for both teams to be honest yeah uh, for us Alessandro and Clough just it's too similar isn't it you know yeah. I totally understand why he's done it he just wants to get a bit of experience in there and tighten things yeah, up a little yeah. bit doesn't he and make I mean when the ball goes to Alessandro it does generally stick doesn't it but he's not lively enough in the box and there's a the times when we were looking to put balls in the box and there was no one there and that kills us a little bit doesn't it yeah. That's where the problem is. We were also a bit lucky with uh, Oldham having one chalked out for oh, offside. Very it's... lucky. I mean, at the time I thought, ooh, that didn't look the world's best decision. Yeah. And then when you look back, there's there's one lad who is offside, but he doesn't go anywhere near going for the ball. And the lad who goes for it, it must be about two or three yards onside behind the defender. Yeah. Because the ball, it, it's a brilliant save from Howard to tip it onto the, onto the bar. And then the lad sneaks in and, yeah, it should have stood. I mean, Howard made another good save from Hallam Hope. Um, in the first half, and then um, I think it was Killian Dunn, didn't he? He, he, um, he tried to score from the halfway line, tried to lob mm. thing. I, I think that might have been going wide. It was hard to tell from yeah. our angle, but it didn't look like it was on target. But yeah. Howard still dealt with him, put it behind. But I mean, stats wise, we had nine shots, one on target. They had 14, four on target. So they had a slightly better There was a lot of corners, wasn't there? A lot of, hell of a lot of corners. But the fact that we didn't do anything with them. Yeah, it's quite telling, isn't it? That's where you know Millen has touched on this already. Actually, that set pieces in there. We need to improve both ends of the pitch already. I, 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 I think one thing that sums this game up how drab it was. Hmm. There was fifteen fouls between two teams. That's very low. That is very low. With I mean, one yellow card all game. That because I mean most. I mean, bear in mind teams at the bottom. You expect it to be a bit of a. But I would scrap. expect fifteen each. Well, that's generally not what. It, that's generally what. It, I mean, on average, there's about. 25 to 30 fouls a game on most yeah, two yeah. games when I've covered this season. And like I said, this one, nowhere near that. It was it was really low. I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't great. I think Alden probably had a slightly more of a threat, but we were fairly solid, to be honest. We never really looked that threatened in the game. But again, it's, it, 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 it's one to build on, is it? Look at it as a, yeah. a, a clean sheet, work our way up from that and look to improve next week. And... Plenty of plenty for Keith Mullin to think about after that game, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, well, that covers the Oldham game then, Dan. We don't need to do any more on it, do we? Um, we'll take a short break now and then we'll be back with the uh, the preview of the Northampton game. So we'll be back in just a jiffy. And we're back for part two of the Brunton Bugle. Uh, this is the preview of the Northampton game now. What are we doing now? Uh, this season, the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cali United Sports Club London Branch. London Branch is open to all Cali United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore. And of course, every part of London and the South East and in Cumbria as well. They regularly meet up for away trips as well as arranging many social events and supporters games. And they do fundraising for the club as well. They'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section of this season. To uh, you can find out more about them on the London Branch website at carlislelondonbranch.org. 
And uh, the pre-game pub for this weekend's game against Northampton is the Thomas A. Beckett's pub, which is on uh, St. James Road. And if you wanted to try and find it, the postcode is NN55HY. Uh, so there you go. That's the uh, the sponsors bit out the way, Dan. Um, I'm, I haven't done Northampton for a while, actually. I think me and Mike did it for a midweek game once, and I think that's the only time I've actually been. Although you've been a few times, I'm guessing, because you've got mates on, haven't you? Yeah, I've been a few times, but not in recent years. We haven't actually played them that much, have mm. we? Mm. And I've, I think there's been a couple of times where it's ended up midweek, etc., which is... Uh, yeah. Quite irritating, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right, well, we've got the catching up with the opposition section now. Uh, this week we spoke to Charles from the It's All Cobblers to Me podcast ahead of this weekend's game. There's quite a few topics covered. We uh, talked about their surprisingly good start to the season, how Jack Salby has got on at six fields, and the bit that Dan will love to hear, uh, talking about Keith Curl's ups and downs during his tenure at the club. And here's the chat we had with Charles earlier this week. Charles, when we did our uh, pre-season preview episode of our podcast, um, back in the summer, we all actually predicted that you guys were going to struggle a bit. I might actually find it tough coming back down to League One. Having looked at your squad, we weren't 100% convinced it was one that was going to challenge for uh, promotion. So it's probably fair to say we didn't expect you to do as well as you have done so far. Was it a surprise for Cobblers fans, especially you seem to have quite a a tough pre-season? I think we, as Cobblers fans, are quite expectant when it comes to us being in League Two, um, I think I think you're right. I can understand why, you know, uh, fans of other clubs would would look at the signings that we made, the players that we let go at the end of last season, and and think that mm, they don't look like they're going to, you know, rip up any trees or anything. Um, there's always that thing, as, as you'll know, every time that you get a new signing, you think, oh, that sounds great on paper, <laughs> and a lot of the time it, it's underwhelming in the end and you don't, you then sort of think, well, why were we so excited about it? I, I think for me personally, on a personal note, I was happy with this season being one where we sort of aimed for top 10 and looked to basically settle in our new management team and then push on, you know, maybe next season. The the guys didn't have an awful lot of time. So we put together this new recruitment committee mm-hmm. um, at the back end of last season. So John Brady, our manager's on that. And then you've got um, the rest of his coaching staff, obviously. You've also got um, uh, 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 Martin Foyle, who's our head of recruitment. And then you've got like the CEO and a couple of other people, like the, the academy team, head of the academy, yeah. Ian Sampson's on it and people like that. But in terms of coming to the club, while all of those people have been connected with the club for a long time, so John Brady, our manager, was our youth team manager for the past five years. Mm -hmm. Um, Martin Foyle had been our head of recruitment back in the days of Chris Wilder when we won League Two last time Mm -hmm. out. Um, But he'd been away from the club, been in Scotland, and now was coming back. And a lot of the that was the same for a lot of the other guys as well on that committee. So essentially, when you look at it on paper and you see who we signed and especially where they've come from, because essentially they've all come from Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> and you do look at that and just go, oh, come on. Who's got the casting <laughs> vote there? <I> wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And you are looking at it and going, right, well, Martin Foyle has just spent the last like three years in the SBL. I wonder where he's got these names from. 
But we did a fans forum with uh, the manager and Colin Calderwood, our assistant, and Mark Richards, one of the first team coaches, at the start of the season. And they said, look, we didn't have that much time. We started from scratch. We had no names. We had nothing there ready. All last season, or the back end of last season, when they came in, uh, Brady and Rico, uh, to take over from Keith Curl, they were just concentrating on trying to stay in League One. They weren't looking at the future. They weren't permanent in their positions. Mm-hmm. All they were trying to do was was keep us up. It didn't happen in the end, unfortunately. But they didn't have any options. Like They couldn't go into the transfer market and bring their own players in. So they just concentrated on working with what they'd got. And then at the end of the season, it was like, right, we've got a blank piece of paper. There's nobody at the club, apart from obviously the, like the CEO and the ownership, there's nobody here that actually on a footballing side of things has got a bit of paper with loads of names written down. Yeah. So we're starting from scratch. So I do think with that, um, my sort of thing of going, mm, yeah, okay, top 10, let's go for that. Let's see what happens. Compare it to what's actually currently happening, which is we're on that upward curve, as uh, <laughs> your friend of mine, Keith Curl, would love to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, at one point we'll go over the edge and we'll start coming back down. You know, we're, we're, we're on that roller coaster. I'm going to throw out the cliches and mm-hmm. it, at the moment we're heading up at some point we'll, we'll probably head back down again, but it's nice, really nice to see us in third. And it's basically down to the fact that we've named the same starting 11 for the last four games. We've found a different formation. We've gone from playing four four two to playing more of a, a one striker up top with wingers higher up the pitch. Um, and that's working. Um, so it's it's kind of all fallen into place over the space of maybe two to three weeks now. Well, you've mentioned him a couple of times there, so let, let's let's touch on the uh, the man himself, Keith Curl. Um, certainly a man who divides opinions among Carlisle fans, I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. How do your fans look back on his era as manager? I mean, it must have been quite weird seeing the team go up, but not being able to actually be there and be involved in it as well. That must have been a bit of an odd one, but it all seems to come crashing down last season in, in League One with him. Yeah, it was it was horrible. That whole thing of not being able to go to games, you know, we all know that. It was it was mm. not the same watching it on iFollow. And to get to Wembley and to have to sort of sit there and watch it on Sky was really hard because I mean we're, you know we've we've been blessed really or I certainly have I'm I'm in my mid 30s I've seen the cobblers play uh, or reach Wembley four times and I've been able to go to three of them um each time we've taken a lot of fans with us so to have no one there apart from basically the kit man and the odd couple of people that worked for the club on a voluntary basis and were therefore very lucky to be able to attend um was weird um was really really strange and of course we didn't ex- you know we didn't expect to get there in the first place when the season got curtailed we were we were looking at basically getting overtaken by port vale any day now and yet the season stopping when it did it really did did us a favor and then of course the first round, first leg of the playoffs against cheltenham where they basically just came and ripped us apart at six fields took that 2-0 lead we were all just going well that's it we we you know mm it's what it is and then all of a sudden two amazing performances um from Keith and his team obviously his players um you know got us up into league 1 i think the problem that the fan base has is that 
everybody only really remembers, and this is the same for football fans everywhere, isn't it? You only remember the latest thing that's been going on. Yeah. So it's a little bit like us right now. We're sitting pretty in third going, this is amazing. Two weeks ago, <laughs> we lost at home to Sutton. <laughs> you know, it, it, but no one remembers that. So when Keith came in, he steadied the ship. He gave a bit of professionalism back into the football side of the football club. Sounds daft, but I mean, essentially the previous management had let the players get away with everything. Um, Keith came in and put like a line around the dressing room or something where phones couldn't pass or something like that. There was all this stuff where they had to actually put all of their kit into a box that would sit underneath their seat in the dressing room. You know, just, and I know that sounds such like school-like, doesn't it? But it it bring it, it basically brought in this air of professionalism which said i'm in charge i'm the manager you will do what i say and results did turn around it sounds he, familiar all that to be honest it does, yeah <laughs> i'm sure it does but he did do what he had to do the first season that he was with us um you know we were we were looking like we'd we'd been relegated the previous season from league 1 this sounds familiar um and um we'd basically hadn't seen the results we'd we'd kept the turnover of the squad at a minimum Uh, Dean Austin was the manager and he'd been allowed to keep uh, the players who were on League One wages to basically have a real push for getting back up first time of asking Mm. from League Two problem was a lot of those players thought they were better than they really were and didn't want to you know they kind of tried to control the the change room I suppose Keith comes in stops all that nipped it in the bud dropped certain players, stopped, stopped them playing. And then, you know, we, we finished that season, his first one in charge, you know, in, a, in a, a very mundane but respectable position where essentially we weren't in danger of getting relegated yeah. and we were in no position of getting promoted. And then the following season, it, it looked like we were moving on and upwards. But I think a bit like how Keith was when he was with you, it was maybe, it wasn't like a massive leap. It wasn't like we went from finishing, I can't even remember where it was now, but 15th to say 6th. Yeah. It was. It looked like we were heading from finishing like a couple of places above and it was going to be like a long, slow improvement over a number of years with Keith. Yeah. And then obviously the playoffs happened and it was really good. The problem that Keith Curl had was that he got promoted. Yeah. For the first time <laughs> in his career, he was in League 1 having won a promotion from League 2. Mm-hmm. And he didn't know what to do. And his recruitment was terrible. And you can, you know, there's lots of reasons that you can put it down to. Obviously, COVID, I think our chairman did, you know, tighten the purse strings a bit, was worried about, well, we've got no income coming in. So how are we going to pay for anything? Which, which chairman wasn't doing that, though? That's the thing. <laughs> well, this is it, isn't it? And you do look at it and you do say, um, there's all of these different things. And the players that we lost, so Charlie Good was sold to Brentford for a club mm-hmm. record fee. You cannot stop that no, from happening, no. um, which is fine. Um, Jordan Turnbull, we be allowed to leave for Salford. I mean, we released him. We didn't even, you know, he wasn't a transfer. He was just released and told, we can't afford you anymore. We're not going to offer you the wages that you were on. So therefore, see you later. And then, of course, he rocks up at the Moneybags Club in League Two. Um and then Scott Wharton, who was our other central defender, the back three, he'd been on loan from Blackburn and he went back and yeah. he didn't want to come back on loan again. He wanted to try and fight for a first-team berth at Blackburn. So that was our entire back line gone. 
Um, and we also then lost the Dane Oliver to Gillingham. Mm. Unbelievably. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, great move for him, obviously. Clearly, he's tearing it up in League One for Gillingham. He's done a fantastic, you know, season and a bit now with them. But I can't believe that we weren't able to compete with them to keep him at our club. Yeah. So it just fell apart. And then Keith's insistence on basically playing hoofball <laughs> was a major downfall. The one thing that I don't think the fans will ever forgive him for is that we've always had at Northampton a really good quality of pitch at Sixfields. Yeah. So the stadium might not be that good, but the pitch has always been renowned. It's won awards. The groundsman's brilliant. All of this stuff. Yeah, we got a lot of similarities here to us, actually. <laughs> Funny enough. Well, Keith turned around and started training on the pitch. Yes, and even turned around and said... And yeah. half grounds was against it as well. Yeah. yeah, he even turned around and said, uh, when fans were unhappy about this, said, well, we'll, you know, we'll make it a quagmire. I, I, this isn't a direct quote, but essentially what he said was, if we make the pitch bad, we're playing on every single week. We'll know how to use it. The opposition, when they come here, won't. Oh, we hated that as a fan base. Basic and it was, football, yeah, it was horrible. And it felt like it was backward, um, you know, back going back in time to like the 70s and 80s when, yeah. when football was played up in the air. And it, it was just horrible. The fact that we couldn't go to the games was both a godsend <laughs> for us as fans, but yeah. it also made everything 10 times worse because there was no connection to the football club. I mean, don't get me wrong. The football club tried their hardest to keep everything connected yeah. and going. But that connection is lost, isn't it? As soon as you yeah. can't rock up to your, your home stadium and watch the boys play. It's uh, yeah. it's a difficult thing. So, yeah. So, I thank Keith. And, I mean, look, I, I met him several times, talked to him for the podcast on several occasions. And he was always willing to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I both know that he, he loves to swerve questions by talking about waves and puzzles and... Yeah roller coaster goodness knows what else but he was always happy to talk and he was always a gentleman and seemed like a very down-to-earth guy and as a person I really got on with him as the manager of my football club uh, he should have gone probably about at least two months before he did yeah Yeah. after we finish recording I'll tell you this story about uh one of his post-match press conferences he did with us uh, after we lost 3-0 at Accrington in his first season. It was uh, interesting, to say the least. Um, let, let's touch a bit on your, your current squad then, uh, mm-hmm. as, as to what Carla fans should expect from Northampton for this game and who are the danger men in the squad. And also, how's Jack Selby getting on? Because obviously he was on loan with us and he was a player who was really popular actually when he was on loan with Fleetwood and quite a lot of yeah. our fans were disappointed when he went back to, uh, to Fleetwood after his loan spell. Yeah, uh, so with Jack, he came to us when we were in League One. Mm -hmm. Didn't really do an awful lot. We didn't really see much of of him. Um, He then got injured, I think, at the end of last season. Mm -hmm. So he's only just started coming back into the team now. And in fact, his return to the team has coincided a little bit with our upturn in form, which is nice to see. But as I'm sure you know, he's one of those players that you don't really notice. He does the dirty work, and occasionally he'll give you a, a, a decent pass here or there. He was but quite different not... for us, actually. To be oh, really? He was, quite, he was a little bit... All actions may be going a bit too far, but he, he was really involved, and he scored a couple, like two or three brilliant goals for us as well in his time with us. So, But, I, I mean, I'd heard, I think, Fleetwood didn't. I think you guys might have even played him at centre-back at some point as well, possibly, I think. 
I don't think he's ever. He, he may well have gone into centre back anyway. at, at some point for us. But Keith liked to play two defensive midfielders, mm. and um, so that he was definitely, you know, only just in front mm. of the back three um, when we were playing in League One. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe it's actually more a case of that we've got more exciting players out wide yeah. and further up the pitch, so you don't notice Jack as much. And maybe I'm doing him a disservice. But I, I do think the fact that he's come into the team of late and we've started picking up much better performances and results tells its own story. Yeah. Um, so that is really nice to see. I mean, as for how we'll line up, last week, if you'd asked me, I'd have told you the team, you know, player for player, exactly yeah. where they're going to play and everything. But then on Saturday against Tranmere, um, Sam Hoskins picked up his fifth yellow card of the season. So he mm-hmm. will have to miss this game. I'm hoping that he'll just be replaced direct swap with Dylan Connolly, um, who is a very, very, very quick. I think he's potentially the quickest player in league two. I've read that somewhere. I don't know how true mm-hmm. it is. Um, he is very quick. He's not had that much uh, of a starting chance um, in the side so far, so maybe he'll take this opportunity and, and grab it with both hands. Hopefully, he will. Um, Danger men to look out for. Uh, it's Mitch Pinnock. Um, he's our left winger, but he will swap. Him and Sam were swapping wings um, throughout the last three games. Um, basically, if you give him space, he will he will rip you apart. He will yeah. put a ball into the box. If you've watched the highlights of our win against Tranmere. Keanu Tete's goal to put us 1-0 up. Mitch Pinnock, it's a pinpoint cross that goes in early and therefore the defence have got no chance to set themselves. Atete's clear and just tap... Well, it's not a tap-in, but it's a it's a beautiful connection from the cross yeah. that, that puts it straight past the keeper. Um, so he's the one that you've got to watch out for. And then Keanu Tete himself as well up front, our striker. He's on loan from Spurs. He is a handful bit of a petulant child sometimes. So if you've got proper League Two style centre-backs who are not prepared to, or sorry, who are prepared to have a bit of a scrap, then um, he'll he'll start getting moody and won't like it. He, he, he wants more protection from the referees than the refs are willing to give at this level. Um, but I mean, the best thing that he can do to obviously get around that is to put the ball in the back of the net, which he's now done in his last two games. So, yeah, those are the danger men for you. And finally, mate, thanks for giving up your time, but uh, your prediction for this weekend? Oh, okay. Uh, I I don't like doing this because you can guarantee that that what I kind of tend to do will will go against me at some point and everyone will, you know, listen to your pod will laugh when when well, actually it's you the say opposite. That. Most of the opposition podcasts this season have predicted wins and guess what? They've they've been right for most of them. So <laughs> so I won't worry too much based on our current form. Well the way that I've been doing it recently, so we we do a match preview on our website um every week, every Friday before the game, and Danny, my co host who writes it always ask me for a prediction and uh, I've in recent weeks just decided to go and, and let go of the sensibility of it. So rather than actually look at things and, and think, right, what actually might happen? I've just been going 7-2. <laughs> so I'll, 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 go with, I'll go with the Cobblers win. I think we'll win 3-0. 
100% surprise me, to be honest. But although we've looked a little bit better in recent weeks, it, it, it just, it, I just had this feeling we might get another big wake-up call coming up because we've got big problems at both ends in terms of we, we need an experienced centre-back and an experienced striker, basically. So we'll have to wait and see how it goes. Charles, You've got your new you... manager bounce, though, so oh, you we'll, never know. You we'll, never we'll know. Have, we'll have to wait and see. Charles, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, all the best for the season after this weekend. You're welcome. Thanks again to Charles for taking the time to speak to us about all things Cobblers. Uh, interesting chat there, Dan, especially the bit about Keith Curl and he's uh, having the first team training on the uh, the first team pitch as well, the actual pitch the, the six fields. I mean, I know Curl had a habit of doing that at Brunton Park occasionally as well, I think, I seem yeah. to remember. When, yeah. when Dave Mitchell wasn't looking, I bet. <laughs> yeah, running at him with a pitchfork, no doubt. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, quick, before we go any further, a quick reminder to everyone, this weekend's game kicks off at 2pm. Not 3pm, so if you're going to the game, make sure you get there a bit earlier than you normally <laughs> yeah. would. Or you'll be arriving at half-time, probably surrounded yeah. by Northampton rugby fans. Northampton rugby kick off at yeah. 3. And those who've been before, the rugby ground's in the same sort of area of town. Yeah. So it's basically staggering, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's staggering the traffic and the, the foot floor. So. Yeah. Northampton's not a place to visit if you're not interested in sport this weekend, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, so this weekend's referees is Ollie Yates. Uh, he... Um, I think it's about his third or fourth season as an EFL referee. Uh, he's only taken charge of five games a season. Surprise. Um, and he's had about 13 bookings and no red cards in those games. Last season, he took charge of two United games. Uh, one of them was the 2-2 draw with uh, Hayes and Yedding in the first round of the FA Cup. And then the 3-1 win over Bradford, which featured a few interesting things, didn't it, Dan? That was uh, the game of Zanzala's scrambled goal. That, uh, yeah. Almost ridiculous that it was given, wasn't it, when you look back at it? Yeah. And he also should have sent off a Bradford play. This emerged in one of those um, pitch-side video things that clubs do yeah. now. Bradford did one, and it showed one of their players basically stamping on Zanzala. And right in front of the ref, and he, I think he, he only got a booking for it, which was yeah. ridiculous when you look back at it. But there you go. Um, we're going to bash through these bits quickly, because I know we, we've been... They've been quite long, some of the episodes recently, so we're trying to sort of trim them back a little bit, at the very least, anyway. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. Classic match uh, this week. I've gone through a defeat, Dan. I get why, though. I get why. Because this was a turning point. I was at this game. September 1994. um, Significant result for United, this, because it sort of kick-started the season. Well, not kick-started, but really kicked the team on to go on an incredible run that basically led to the third division title. So the Blues arrived at the old county ground. I mean, as you were there, you'll remember this, Dan. I mean, people forget that Northampton used to share their ground with Northampton County Cricket Club, didn't they? Yeah, so you had an open terrace for the away end, mm. an old covered terrace for the home end, uh, a bit of a ramshackle stand for the main stand with offices and whatnot. Mm. And then down the side, there was basically advertising boards and you could see the cricket pitch rope for the boundary. Yeah. And they would maybe allow like two deep to stand down. It, yeah. it was... It would never happen now, but it was no. it, it was quaint in a way at the same time. You know, it was uh, yeah. it was very, very different, wasn't it? Very different, yeah. Um, at this point, we were I think this was the ninth game of the season. We were unbeaten in the league at this at this stage, um, but actually that that run came to a crashing halt because Northampton won the game two one. And the Cobblers took a first half lead with a scrappy shot beating the despairing dive of Tony Cage, uh, only for Reeves to equalise in the second half. And it's, it's a, that was a scrappy goal, wasn't it? Yeah. So it's yeah. a nod down for Edmonton. He just hits Reeves and he doesn't know anything about it. And it flies into the net. Um, but that only lasted three minutes as a close range volley beat Cage to give the Cobblers all three points. This is one of their last games before they moved to Sexfield. Well, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, not so the last one, but... From, from memory, there was quite a decent crowd there because it was sort of... 
yeah. one of the last Saturday games at the old ground. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a big turning point for United. They actually went on a 20-game unbeaten run until they lost it at Deepdale, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, against, mm. I was at home against Preston. No, it, was, it was a deep deal, wasn't it? Because we drew 0-0 with Preston at home. I remember that that season. So yeah, the uh, the first defeat was at, at Preston. Twenty games later, but at that point we were flying with the league, away with the league, yeah. back then, weren't we? So yeah. they made much of a difference. Also significant this game for Kenny Lowe being in the team, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. That's one of the big problems because he changed from four at the back to three at the back, didn't he? Mm. Wadsworth, and he, I think he had made after the game it was a mistake, and they never went back to it. And that was basically done to accommodate Lowe somehow into the team. Just didn't work though. Okay, Dan uh, played for both. Um, you're going to tell us about one place play for both clubs. Yeah, and this week I'm going for an Essex-born defender from Romford. Uh, oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, you should guess this one. Is it Peter Clark? It is. Yeah. Yes, got it. No, uh, obviously started his youth career at Arsenal, uh, got released and came, you know, took a brave decision to come up north because mm. not many young lads would come up to uh, Carlisle and... He had, a, he had a good couple of seasons with us in, when we were quite a poor team. Oh, he had a floppy uh, head of like blonde hair, didn't he? Like yeah, curtains. blonde curtains. Yeah. 90s style. Played, played about 80, 85 games for us. Uh, played in the Jimmy Glass game, of course. He's and a weird he, one because he, he, he sort of he, he, he flitted between defence and midfield a bit, didn't he? Because we also yeah, had David yeah. Searle at left-back because he was a left-back, yeah, really, yeah. Clark. He could, play, he could play a wing-back and mm. sort of wing if needed. And set in midfield a couple of times. Him, well. him, him and Searle often interchange quite a bit, you mm. know. But uh, he went he went to Stockport for three seasons, uh, made a similar number of appearances for us. He had a, a little spell at Mansfield on loan. Then when he left uh, Stockport in 2003, a certain him for Northampton being Martin Wilkinson. Ah, I didn't realise that was I think I think it was Wilkinson anyway. Yeah, I would probably, probably got that wrong, but it's about the same time. But anyways, he, he didn't have much of a, a time at uh, Northampton. He, he only made a handful of appearances. I think he had... Uh, a bad injury which forced mm. his retirement and then he sort of went no he was one of those players who when you think oh I wonder what he's up to now you could never find anything and then a few years ago it was found out he was scouting for Arsenal uh, apparently in Scandinavia to begin with mm. then I think he moved to Holland and Germany and he was the one who brought Serge Nabry yeah, to Arsenal remember that now. From, from, Ger- from Germany area and obviously, it didn't quite happen for Nabry at uh, Arsenal. He's done all right, Bayern, isn't he? <laughs> now, now he's at Bayern Munich. There was a tale, uh, you know, when Bayern Munich went to Tottenham the other year and mm. absolutely walloped them. Was it about yeah. seven and eight, two or something? Yeah. After the game, Clark had obviously got tickets through Nabry, and there was there was a good piece in the press about how the Arsenal scout had found him, and it was at Tottenham, you know, that sort of North London mm. thing, and there was quite a good piece on Clark, but. Uh, Arsenal actually released Clark from scouting. They had a, a big, yeah, yeah. had a lot of off-field changes in the last eighteen months, and he uh, apparently got released. But I know he's apparently he gets on really well with Arsene Wenger, Clark. So mm. it wouldn't surprise me if he's picked up work for FIFA because yeah. Wenger is very high up. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's uh, Pete Clark. Interesting one, Clark as well. I mean, a couple of other things. I mean. He's famously the one who went on the, the the slalom run up the field to set up Scott Derby for the goal at Chester, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Basically, it was it ninety ninety second minute, and you think he'd just run to the corner, and he just <laughs> yeah. kept going and going. You're like, all right, 
all right, let's go to the corner. And he places the doby. Like, what you do? Oh, that's what you're doing. I get you. Yeah. Um, I've just what... checked. Wil- Wilkinson was managing in 2003 uh, at Northampton. So. Makes sense then. But yeah, yeah. He, he, with him as well, obviously you got that role at Arsenal. Arsenal do that quite a lot, don't they? They get a, they, they tend to get players who are ex-youth players yeah, and bring yeah. them they're, back. They're very good at that. Uh, thing he's often on talk sport as well. Uh Adrian Clark. Adrian Clark. Had, well, yeah, we had him. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he does a lot of uh, analysis stuff for Arsenal, and he, yeah. he, he's quite interesting when Did, he's on Talk Sport. Has, has Tom Cruise got a role there as well, or is it someone else? Or it might be James Krause. I know he wasn't actually at Arsenal. I, are you not thinking of Harry Warlick scouting for Chelsea around Possibly. Manchester way now? I think. Possibly, but there's definitely, but, there's definitely yeah, someone the, else there. Uh, Arsenal are very good at keeping in touch with old boys and utilising them in scouting and whatnot. So. Yeah, basically people who, who never actually played a, a first-team game or anything for them, basically. They, they, they generally get them, them back. They keep an eye on what they're doing, don't they, and bring them back, I think. Um, I think it might actually be James Krause who's been doing stuff with uh, with um, Arsenal, possibly, even though he actually wasn't an Arsenal youngster. But, um, yeah, yeah. but there you go. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly bash through the, the list, and it's not quite as long as some of the ones have been here. Uh, Something we mentioned before in re- recent weeks, Nicky Adams is, you know, basically anywhere Keith Curl's been, Nicky Adams has been by the looks of things. Uh, Derek Asamoah, obviously he, f- he had a really good, he played against Man United in the League Cup for them, didn't he? Uh, yeah, there. yeah. Uh, Jack Bridge, he, he obviously signed him from uh, Northampton. David Brightwell, I didn't realise he'd been there as well. Yeah, I can remember well. Yeah, Peter Clark you've touched on already. Paul Conway, did he go after he left us, I seem to remember, or did we get him from, did he have a spell there before he went to us? I would say after from memory. Yeah, I seem to think he was. Uh, Paul Curry, one of the loanees under Kavanagh. Uh, Brennan Dickinson, he had a loan spell there from Brighton, I think, in his early days. Paul Fitzpatrick, Andy Flounders, Chris Freestone's another one we've done in recent weeks, Bob Hatton, Carl Hawley, he, he spent time there. Carl Higgs is another one we've covered in a previous game. Uh, Hallam Hope, he had a loan spell there from Everton. Evan Horwood, Kelvin Langmead, who we mentioned last week on the uh, yeah, X Blues. Yeah, Frank Large, I think we've got, mentioned him a few times recently, actually. Yeah. Um, Lee Madison, uh, Ben Marshall, he had a loan spell there before he came to us on loan from Stoke. Um, Rod McDonald, he had a couple of seasons with uh, at the Cobblers. Uh, Sean McGinty. He's a name that seems to come up quite a lot in this, actually. He does, he? doesn't he, on the sly? Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a sly one. Liam McSweeney, did you, you you did him early in the season as well, didn't you, I think, on one yeah, of Yeah, he's, uh, he's a bit of a journalist now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Junior Mendes. Remember Junior <laughs> Mendes? There's a, a loney from the late 90s. Uh, Ian Morris, Derek Mountfield, Andy Priest, Rob Scott, Alan Smart, Jack Salby, obviously he's still at Northampton, Ray Train, Will Varty. I completely forgot Will Varty had a short loan spell yeah, at Northampton. Yeah. Never played a game for them. But he, he was a weird one, Varty. One who should have played it a lot higher level, I think. Yeah. Um, Magno Vieira and Luke Weaver. Again, I think Luke, Luke Weaver was I think Weaver was possibly Wilkinson related. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure he was, wasn't he? So there you go. That's the uh, the play for both sections done. Um, let's get on to sort of the general preview bits then, Dan. Um this weekend's game, obviously we're playing Northampton head-to-head. Played them 43 times. Uh, we've won 12, drawn 14, and Northampton have won 17. Um, me and you didn't think these lot were going to do very well this season, did we? <laughs> no, we thought it'd be a bit of a season of, uh, you know, because obviously the went Rebuilding. Up, went up in the COVID thing after Keith Curlow flogged them to keep them fit <laughs> and fitness won them through. Uh, but then they got relegated after sacking uh, Keith halfway through the campaign. We sort of thought it'd be a bit of a consolidation, didn't we? 
Yeah, we did. It was it was quite a surprise, and I think even their fans are a little bit surprised how well they've done for him. Obviously, Charles yeah. was saying on there that he reckoned maybe about tenth might be their position this season. Yeah, I think that's that's what we sort of expected, yeah. sort of mid table. You know, we felt. I mean, I think what I said from what I remember was that. Um, if they, if they don't get off to a good start, they could really struggle with the score yeah, they've got. Yeah. But otherwise, they probably should be about mid-table if they if they start okay. Yeah, in terms of off-the-field stuff, um, Dan, they've had a few issues recently, haven't they? I think they're looking to redevelop six fields from what I've seen, like build a hotel behind one of the ends and some fan parks and things yeah, like that. Yeah, they've, they've had the unfinished, I think it's the East Stand, is it? Yeah, it's a weird one, because it's, 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 it's obviously... It's not that new now. It's a thirty-year-old stadium, isn't if, it? But if, it's... if you if you look into the history, there was an owner, the council, a large sum of money. There's well, it didn't it pretty much bring down the local council. And yeah, there's there's incredible. a hell of a lot of reading on it. Uh, we, we you could probably fill a podcast on what happened with it. You know, it's yeah. But the, I think they've got the seats in, but they need to finish off sort of the back end of it you know like yeah. the food and toilets yeah. and, and that, now they're looking at doing stuff behind one of the goals as well and recapping yeah, that yeah. so uh, interesting times for Northampton uh, their manager is John Brady uh, as a player you probably remember him he was at Russian and Diamond he was part of their team that got into the EFL wasn't he Dan yeah, big yeah. part of that and then the other spell you probably remember him from is Stevenage and he was part of the side that lost to United in the conference playoff final in 2005 um, he's gradually build, building up his coaching career of the last decade or so there wasn't he he's, he spent about four or five years as manager of Brackley Town and then he took over as youth team boss at Sixfields that role he held for about five years until he took over from Keith Curl last season um, Keith probably didn't know who he was given his aversion to watching <laughs> youth teams was he not there on uh, Tuesday night I didn't notice him but it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if he wasn't no, no would you um, yeah so he's, he, he's done pretty well over the last a few months to build a, a squad. Um, they've got an interesting setup there, obviously, that Charles mentioned on the, the chat we had about. They've got a recruitment panel, which is made up of the manager, the director of football, the, I think, a couple of, like, the directors and some of the youth team coaches as well, I think. And they basically all put in sort of signings and decide who's going to make it. And because they came in sort of cold in the summer and no one really had a list of players, they've relied heavily on their... Director of football, who was at Kilmarnock last season, I think he was, wasn't he? Yeah. It, uh, it, this next bit annoys me because they've recruited a little bit from Scotland. Well, yeah, that's the key thing. He was at Kilmarnock and they've signed three players from Kilmarnock and I think two of us from Scotland as well, from yeah. St Mirren and someone else. Um, and as anyone who knows me will know for years... I have mentioned that we should be signing players from Scotland. I, I mean, at the very least, we should be signing. If we're doing, we're having a fairly big turnover. We should be getting a couple of seasons at least. Yeah, yeah. And these and these are not players who've come from. I mean, arguably, they have come from Scottish Championship because Kilmarnock got relegated, didn't they? But um, yeah, picking up some decent play from Scottish Championship level. You know, and they, they seem to be doing pretty well. You know, they've 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 had a decent start to the season. I've picked out my star man as uh, Mitch Pinnock. I think he's one of those players, isn't he? I think he was at. Uh, he was a Kilmarnock, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's um, come in and he's done pretty well, hasn't he? He's, um, he's, he's, he seems to be quite a strong outlet out wide for them. He's, he's, he's causing problems from what Charles was saying as well. And in terms of other key squad members, I've just picked out a few. Jordan Flores, he was at Hull, wasn't he, in Wigan, I think. He's been out in the past. Uh, Sam Hoskins has been there for quite a while now, isn't he? He's a bit of a sort of lower league stalwart. I think he's been five seasons at Sixfields. Um, and Paul Lewis was a, a decent player at Tranmere last season. I'm surprised he left them, actually. So they let him go. It was a, an interesting one, that one. So, uh, 
So yeah, um, yeah, Dan. Um, current form, they're one of the best teams in the division, aren't they? Sixth place at the moment. Um, yeah, playing playing really well at the moment, aren't they? I'm, I'm not sorry. They've, they've won the last three. Uh, well, three in a row, yeah. The solid win at Tranmere last week. Uh, mm. Good wins over Stevenage and Mansfield at home. Uh, there's no disgrace in losing at Hartlepool, given how strong Hartlepool are at home, either. Mm, no, definitely not. Definitely not at all. Um, but they're looking to make it four wins in a row. And, and the last, those last three games they've won, they've kept clean sheets in all three as well. Which, with our goal scoring form at the moment, <laughs> yeah. is a tad worrying, isn't it? I think it's fair yeah, to say. Yeah. Uh, moving on quickly onto the United bits then, Dan. There's not a huge amount to cover because... We've talked about Keith Miller enough, haven't we? So we, we know he's potentially probably not going to make too many changes within yeah, this game. Yeah. Maybe tweaks around the edges. Maybe Alessandro out for a, someone like Young as a striker in there. Possibly. That's the only real change I can see happening. I don't know about you. Unleash the fish. I, I, I take him as part of the squad. I definitely have him on the bench, you know. Unleash Why not? the fish. Why not? Well, when uh, it happens and when he goes on a mad goal scoring run, you're all going to say Dan was right. <laughs> As we always do, as we always do. Uh, okay, Dan, let's have match predictions. Mike hasn't sent his in because he's in London. It's too loud. He's out on the street. So he's basically told me, 1-1 one, one draw, Zach Clough getting our goal. So that's Mike's I'm prediction. I'm going to go for a sneaky 1-0 win. Mm. And I'm going to go for Zach Clough as, as well, I think. Oh. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna go for a 2-1 win. I reckon we might just sneak one. Um Jack Sauer will score for them. For us, I think you'll see Rod McDonald getting his first goal for the club and Zach Clough getting the winner. There you go. That's what I'm going for for predictions. Okay, Dan, uh, X-File section. There's a few to cover this week, isn't there? Yeah, one or two. Uh, Kyle Dempsey got a goal for Gillingham in the draw at Bolton. Uh, Ryan Bowman, after his recent heart scare, got a hat trick for Shrewsbury. Incredible, it? <laughs> Cambridge. I, th- I think it was a perfect one as well. I think it yeah. was left right head. So uh, Jack Idell scored Cambridge's goal with a quite decent effort. That's a hell of a strike, was it? I mean, he's capable yeah. of doing that. And you know, the more you look back and you think, how could Beach not look at him and think he, you could get yeah. something out of that? It, that's that, that is one big failing I think from Beach that he could have easily kept hold of Idel potentially but yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan Hayden and Sean Brisley both scored for Wrexham in the 3-0 win at Barnet their celebrity owners were at that game the other night weren't they didn't go yeah. very well though no. uh, Tom Anderson scored for Doncaster in the 3-2 win over Cheltenham former mm. loanee there Mo Sagaf there's a name mm. we haven't heard for a while scored for Dagenham in a 3-0 win over Southend Southend are really struggling. Southend are really struggling. When you think that Dover were almost relegating before the season mm. started, Southend are really struggling. Mm. Uh, Mark Beck scored for York, 1-0 win over Chester. Uh, an own goal, uh, former player Michael Liddell. This is God, a few years ago We now. haven't heard him for a while, have we? I'm yeah. surprised he's still playing. He must be getting on now. He scored uh, for Boston, so Blythe, his team Blythe got beat 1-0 with his own mm. goal. Uh, Gary Medine scored Blackpool's second in the big derby win over Preston. Good lad. Uh, Richie Bennett got sent off for mm. Sutton in the 3-2 defeat at Rochdale. Yeah. Uh, Tom Parks got a last-minute winner for Livingston in the 3-2 win over Ross County. And then another non-league double here, Simon Grand and George Glendon, the latter being a 98-minute winner as Chester won 3-2 over Gloucester City. I still think it's mad that Gloucester City are in the, the, the National League. Yeah, the, it's, it's, it's crazy, it? it shows how Southern non-league is, you yeah. know. 
And uh, James Tavernier scored a penalty for Rangers in the two-all draw with Aberdeen. Mm. Uh, the other news, one that was sort of mentioned in the uh, manager special, Paul yeah. Simpson left his coach role at Bristol City. Uh, as we said, it's not health-related. It's more Nigel Pearson wanting his own men, basically. Yeah. That is rumours he could be going to Ipswich in some capacity. We'll see mm. if that happens. And former trialist keeper Adam Smith, who played when we got hammered at uh, mm. Preston the other week, signed for Stevenage. Yeah, short-term deal, isn't it? I think similar to what yeah, Howard's yeah. done with us, but I think to be honest, it's looking more like Howard will probably get extended till the end of the season. The way yeah, I'd be gone really so far. You won't be surprised. There we go. That's it, Dan, isn't it for this week's episode? Thanks again, one to our sponsors, the London Branch. Um, Remember, you can subscribe via all good podcast apps, whether it's Acast, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. I know Acast have had some problems this week, so I think they've resolved them now. So hopefully you'll be able to still find us on there. Um, Obviously, follow us on social media, uh, Brunt and Bugle on Twitter and Facebook. Um, We're also on the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group and obviously on the Cumberland's.net message board. Um, and you can email us if you want everyone to e- email us. It's bruntonbugle at gmail.com. I, I, I do apologise. There's a few emails and I haven't replied to. I need to actually go in and reply. So. Disgusting behaviour. I know. Disgraceful, disgraceful. Yeah. And uh, we've got a couple of new countries on the world map of listeners, haven't we, Dan? Yeah. Morocco and the Marrakesh Blues are uh, following us. Yes, and Morocco are on there. Again, probably someone on holiday, that one, isn't it? I was going to say, I wonder if it's a holiday. Like. Although the, the Cyprus one has been a consistent listener for quite a few weeks now. so That could be either someone who's moved out there or... Yeah. yeah it's not a, a bit of army business over there. I wonder if there's Possibly. maybe, maybe a, an maybe. armed forces blue or something. Maybe. Or... Could well be. If you're the Cy- Cypriot Carl United listener, please drop us an email or a message on facebook or something like that yeah um and hong kong is the other country hong kong blues Mm. there you go very exciting um so yeah that's it for this week's episode uh upcoming episodes we're going to do an fa cup special one next week it's it's difficult one to do because there's obviously we don't know a huge amount about horsham so we're relying a lot on the uh the opposition guys to tell us as much as they can about it in terms of talking about the game, we might have a little chat about some of our favourite games against non-league clubs and yeah, the games yeah. that we'd rather forget against non-league clubs. I think we all know which one we're talking about there. Um, Barry Thompson, we're looking at you. Um, yeah. yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be covering that. And we are going to do that special at the State of the Club at some point soon. We, I think it's something we need to do, isn't it, Dan? I think, because yeah, yeah. it keeps getting brought up and people keep asking about it, so... It's worth us. I think for that one, I want to get all three of us on it. So we're just trying to find a time where all three of us are free yeah, yeah. to sit down and have a really good chat about those things. And that's it. So uh, we'll be back next week to uh, discuss, hopefully, Keith Mullins' first winner's Carl our boss. When we done? Hopefully. Yeah, look. Cheers, everyone, for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.